Well, it's Saturday morning and I want to welcome you on this bright and sunny Saturday morning to our Saturday morning service here in Mississauga. It's March the 6th and I'm asking myself, where is this year going? The good thing about it, even though it's freezing outside, it's going to warm up and already we're seeing indications that um, spring is nigh <clears throat> and I'm a spring person. Um, I, I'm an all season person, but um, as you might notice today, we're not going to sing because today is Nadine's last uh, weekend of school and so she's not here. I didn't feel inclined of taking the guitar to sing any choruses. Um, <clears throat> I sing at certain times with my guitar, but not today. And so today we're glad that you can follow us on Facebook and um, you can be a part of the service. I hope that you are pleased that we are streaming these services and you're able to follow and be edified even though there is a lockdown and uh, we're restricted in the quantities of people that can show up in church. At this point in time, only five in Ontario, in Peel region, in this section of Ontario, only five individuals are allowed to show up for services. Um, if we violate that, if the city wants to be very funny and very obnoxious, uh, when we violate that even by one person, we could be fined um, a lot of money. Individuals could be fined 750 and an organization, a pastor could be charged and fined also. And so we are holding on and I'm sure that those of you that are missing the word of God um, are pleased to follow online. Like I've said before, I appreciate God touching Brother Joe McCormick and giving him uh, this ability to uh, pull the messages together and put them online. And if you don't know how to find them, just go on Google and Google um, my gospel, that is my gospel at desmondrsing.com. And a bunch of options, a bunch of ways to access a podcast program would be given to you. My favorite is one called Spotify. And we like to use that because it brings back the messages over and over again. And so we appreciate God for being giving us at least an opportunity to hear the word of God. And I know if you're hungry, you can't wait for 10 o'clock on Saturday morning to come or 10 o'clock on Sunday morning to come. You're all set and all ready, uh, waiting for that time to come. If I were home and I had um, my family with me, what I would do, I would get everyone up early. Uh, we will have our breakfast or whatever early. I get ourselves dressed, uh, not with suit and tie, but casually dressed and sit uh, prior to 10 o'clock, maybe by 9.30. I will gather my family there. We will pray. We will sing some choruses and get our minds set to join into the service. 
Uh, the devil would really want us to continue forever streaming because uh, when we're streaming these services online, you will never, ever be able to receive the benefits that you will receive as if you're sitting in a real church uh, with real people and alive, everyone is alive. I like when they say live streaming. It's not really live, it's streaming. Uh, live is, to me, when you come on into church and you sit there, you're live in the church, you're present in the church. But, you know, the system has its way and the devil has its way. And uh, a lot of us are caught up with the system. We get, we get, um, uh, we get uh, so adjusted and acclimatized to the way uh, the system operates that it will be difficult for a lot of people to come back to church when this is all over. So if I had a family, I'll get them ready. We'll sit down there and we'll pretend we are in church. And so I don't know what you do, but uh, whatever you do, uh, however you respond to the message that we present online uh, would be beneficial to you. Uh, since Wednesday night, I have listened to that message from Wednesday night about four or five times, uh, three complete times, and two times in between. I had to cut it off because I'm going somewhere or turning up in a, in a store or, or doing some other chores or someone is there to talk to me. Uh, by the way, I appreciate Brother Andrew coming to visit the pastor uh, last night. He told me, give me a call and says, Brother Singh, can I come and visit you? I said, sure, it would be a pleasure. And so he came on in and visited with me, and I thought that was so precious. Um, I'm not much of a pastor that runs around and visits homes. I, that's why I like the style of of Isaiah, and I like Jeremiah's style. If I were to pick, on, uh, pick up on the men that uh, represent what I like to do, uh, Jeremiah would be a good one. He showed up when it's time to give a message, and then he hibernated after that back in his little cubbyhole or wherever he was. Uh, when you see Isaiah showing up, it was because God had given him a message. I'm like that. I really do not like to just hobnob with a crowd. I like to show up and present a message. And after this pandemic is over, we might make some adjustments. We will not be having a Saturday morning service because in this building we have tenants that use it on a Saturday morning. Uh, but we'll have our Saturday evening service back to Saturday evening. And then we'll have the Sunday morning would remain the same. I think it would be best that we maintain the Sunday morning. Now, if you have a problem getting up and following us at line at 10 o'clock on Sunday, uh, you're, um, I wouldn't say you're one sick Christian, but I would be tempted to say that. I would get up early and Sunday morning and I'll be here. And I like the Sunday morning 10 o'clock because after that, even when we're back to normal, that's when the young people would have their class at 11 o'clock or maybe 11.30. Uh, we'll have that period of time. If I have to meet with the board of trustees or the elders, it'll be after the service is over. We can always go back to the dining room and um, have a meeting or a time for discussion. 
And so I like that. I like, I just like church. Uh, Jesus made a statement and he said, I will build my church. And that is such a, a common statement. And here in, in Matthew, the 16th chapter of Matthew, Matthew chapter 16, uh, Jesus made that statement. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus started, um, Matthew 15 has some good verses because it says, Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, uh, There were here a bunch of critics that were ready to criticize the Son of God, uh, ready to criticize Jesus. They said, Why do your disciples transgress, transgress the traditions of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat. Now I think everyone should wash their hands. I'm particular about certain things. I uh, travel overseas and, and I've got some peculiarities as a human being. You know, we all have peculiarities, right? Uh, well, I have peculiarities as a human being. I like to wash my hands and keep my hands clean and it has been something that it almost got me paranoid about because if I'm shaking your hand, I wonder if your hand is spreading germs. This is before the pandemic. I always wonder where you're coming from and what have you touched. You see, you don't have to touch a lot. You hold a dirty uh, $20 bill and germs are spreading. And I know God will protect you, but I like to be careful. And I feel that carefulness uh, would, uh, is one of the criteria of being in the bride of Christ. I think being meticulous is important. And so shaking hands was never my big cup of tea. So when COVID came, it blessed me for over one year. I don't have to shake hands. But... I shake hands, but I've always, before this pandemic came, I always carry sterilizers. Uh, nothing beats washing your hand because during this period of time, uh, you put sanitizer here and sanitizer. Well, as soon as you can get to a faucet, wash the sanitizer off. Uh, it's good to have clean hands. So this was not a bad thing that the disciples, uh, the Pharisees were picking on. And... Uh, I have a lot of other uh, nice and, and uh, peculiar habits. Uh, anyways, they said to Jesus, your disciples are tra transgressing the tradition of your elders. Sometimes a good tradition or a good practice can become a part of a religion. And that is what has formed cults. Uh, cults that have been organized by man's commandments. Men make up principles. And I'm thinking over the years, and these are things that I must check up into. When this fellowship got started, we are not the body of Christ that's ultimate, or uh, we were always the body of Christ and that's it. There were no other body, no. Prior to us, on the day of Pentecost, uh, there was a church uh, that got started. The church... The New Testament church got started on the day of Pentecost. But uh, be, in the Old Testament, there was a congregation that met together. Uh, the children of Israel going through the wilderness was a congregation 
that the King James translators, if you've got your all your Bible set up there, let's turn to Acts, the seventh chapter of Acts of the Apostles, where Stephen is talking here, and Stephen is giving a very long uh, speech. Young man, just he was just a deacon. He was not an apostle. He was not some great preacher, uh, but he was just a deacon. And the deacons back there, they had qualifications that they had to meet. If you look at the sixth chapter, when Peter and the other apostles got together, it says in verse 2, Then the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them, and they said, the disciples were, uh, they came together, and they called all the disciples together. And Peter says, It is not reason that we... Um, leave the word of God and serve tables. Uh, Peter saw the need that the ministry should not be doing chores in the church. I wish Peter was living today. He'll find out. He'll learn a lesson the hard way in that uh, they, you see, years ago, the shepherd used to lead the flock. Today, the shepherd has to follow the flock and drive them. It's a different age altogether. And that is why my main concern is that I get saved when it's all over. That I'm not just leading many to Christ, but I am not a castaway when this is all over. I want to be saved. Why do I listen to my own messages about three times, four times, five times? You know why? Because I believe God touches my mind and gives me these messages, and I want to be saved. And so I will not be negligent to listen to the message over and over. And every time I listen, there's something else that pops up that challenges godliness in my life. Well, here in Acts, the apostles were doing chores. Uh, the church was growing in number. Uh, they, they were added unto them, a large number, and it was growing and Peter looked and he says, you know, we are doing a lot of chores here. We need to set ourselves aside uh, for the study and the ministry of the word. And I wish I had that comfort. But everything that God has brought along my path was given for me for my own development. I do not regret one day of my life that God has taken me through, even though the worst of situations I started to tell Chandri this morning on the way to church, we sat in the van and I started to tell her that uh, my lot in life is that few people would come over to me and say thank you. It's, it's just the way. I do not, if somebody say thank you for that message, I'm shocked. And that is why I would like to caution some of you you know, when you see this message go online, uh, with the modern technology, there, is this, there, there, there are a few things there. It says, uh, it says comment, and it gives you that option to put like, or to put share, or to make a comment, right? It gives you about three options. You, you like, or you comment, or you share. And if I tell you what, if you share the messages I preach, and you share what we do here online, or you share the messages we post on Spotify or in Facebook, and uh, you share my messages, if you have friends on the job that don't know you're a Christian, they will not like you. 
So don't share my message if you don't want to associate yourself with what I do. Don't share it. You'll be hated. You'll not be like people think you're weird because you're following a wacko man named Desmond Singh. But there are some people that are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I, I ever so often, at two particular individuals I see all the time. I have one sister, Indira Ramnarine. She shares um, nonstop. And then Brother Raleigh does that. He shares the message. It means that they don't care what their friends think of them. They are Christians. And they, have, they don't have to maintain. And I tell you, it might be legitimate uh, to maintain your integrity that you don't want your friends to know that you're associated with this weird wacko man. But you know what? Every time you share that message and your friends see who you are, it puts a pressure on you because witnessing improves one's Christian life. Now I'm saying that again. Witnessing will improve your Christian life. When you witness on the, at the, at the drugstore, you let people know you're a Christian. Uh, they would expect you to live like a Christian. When your neighbor know who you are, they'll expect you to conduct yourself appropriately. When your friends on the job know who you are, they'll expect you to conduct yourself appropriately. Uh, when the people in school know who you are, they'll expect you. Witnessing improves your Christian life. It really does. And uh, I lived in Canada, and I had a secular job. And the first secular job I had, I had to be um, firm about it. I worked for Stevenson's Rental. I, before I got the job, they said, we are accepting you as this uh, maintenance man in Stevenson's Rental. You will drive the truck, the pickup truck. You will service the equipment and you will be the delivery person to construction sites. Well, I let them know that I'm a pastor. Up front, I am a pastor, and my church hold priority to your company. So here is what we do. I don't work on a Saturday evening, I don't work on a Sunday, and I don't work on a Wednesday night. I must get off at a certain time. I don't go for two-week seminar somewhere where I'll miss church. I pastor the church. People are expecting me to show up there. And so I did that for a year. And then I said, I worked for a year, and then I quit. And at the end of that year, uh, Stevenson's rental came because I was such a good. Whenever I have a job, I'm the best. When I'm somewhere working, I'm the best. I'm a Christian, I ought to be the best. When I was in school, I tried to do my best to be the best, even though I was a poor kid in school, whether prime, grade school or high school. And uh, from there, I let them know. Stevenson's came up and they offered me a supervisor's position for the region. They said, if you stay on with us, we'll make you a supervisor because of your keenness, your meticulousness, I said, sir, I promised to work for a year. I got a church to pastor. But then Jesus came to his own and his own received him not. I'm accustomed. What has made me strong is rejection. And if Jesus said, if, you if they despise you, they despise me. You might not reject, but you might despise someone preaching the gospel. 
See, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. There'll come a time when their individuals will betray you. If they can, someone can stand with you and for you. They will be the first ones to betray you and sell you out. We are building character and stability in individuals as we head into the future. I cannot forget the path that God has brought me from. And so here today, I'm in a church. And if, it, if, if snow falls and nobody is here, I'll shovel it. Recently, God has blessed me with Brother Joe McCormick and Sister Indira Ramnarine had bought for us, had contributed the major amount of money for a snowblower. But you know, I'm glad, but if Brother Joe was not here, say Brother Joe had to leave for something, I'll do it. I don't wait and complain. That's long ago. Today, if there's a job to be done, if there's something to be done, I see it because I'm a minister being prepared for the kingdom of God and the meticulousness that I will develop while I am here preaching the word of God is what I will use if God sees it fit to put me into the kingdom. Am I 100% uh, holy? No, I've got problems. I've got desires. I've got things in my life that every human being might have. But I'm not where I was many years ago. I'm closer to the goal. Paul says, forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The years I work on a secular job, do you know God protected that site while I sat at the gatehouse? Down the street, uh, they, they're little less condominiums. They had burglaries of almost every month. I stayed there for 14 years with not, without one single, not a single break in to a unit. When an ungodly element came on in at the tail end of my leaving, that's when they had a break in. And the police department could not even find the criminals. Who so you know found them? I did. I was able to go through the system because I worked for an ungodly company, but I did it as unto the Lord. Uh, that period of time where I worked at Stevenson developed in me a meticulousness. The period of time that I sat at a gatehouse and watched out for the security of uh, uh, three luxury condominiums it developed that ability to detect things and to see things and to recognize things. I remember Brother Goodwin says, for a minister, it's, you're not special if you see an elephant walking across the floor. He says, but you are special and called if you can see an ant walking across the floor. Everyone sees the elephant, but few people see the ant. Uh, he says, you must be able to see that minor or uh, that small fox that is there to spoil the vine. And that is why the church is given to us to develop a meticulousness. A preacher should not spend his life doing chores in the church. But if it becomes necessary to do chores, I do it as unto the Lord. And I find that everything I do develops me and makes me stronger. Backing away from responsibility makes me weak. Shouldering responsibilities make me strong and more sensitive to the needs that I have in my own life. And if God sees it necessary to put me in the coming kingdom, 
I would not be there to develop uh, good characteristics and attitudes to life. I would have already developed it. The church is where we develop the meticulousness. The majority of people going to the church will not be in the first resurrection. The majority of people attending church will be coming up in the major harvest at the final resurrection. It takes a meticulous mind and a careful mind to develop the mentality of Christ to be in the first resurrection. And so this church uh, that we're talking about that Jesus wants to build uh, here in Acts 6 chapter, uh, Peter is saying, he says, he says, verse, he says it's verse 3, chapter 6, he says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out from among you seven men of honest report, now, we want people to serve bread. It's not meat that we serve bread, Peter says, and leave, uh, you know, serve tables and serve bread. He says, we need to study and fast and pray for the work of God. And he says, um, look ye out from among you. Uh, we need some men to be like uh, deacons or ushers, men of honest report. Now, here is uh, uh, qualifications, not for apostles, here are qualifications not for pastors. Here are qualifications not for bishops. Here are qualifications for guys working as deacons in the church, just serving bread. And I say the word deacon because it was not really, today the word deacon means some guy with almost trying to become a bishop. It says, men of honest report, number one, number two, full of the Holy Ghost, not a quack, not somebody that's fickle, not somebody that's angry most of the time or frivolous most of the time, full of the genuine Holy Ghost. That is what qualifies a man to serve bread to the widows. He says, and of wisdom, he must not be a dud. He must understand the responsibility entrusted to him. He says, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves, the preachers need to give themselves continually to going to see shows. Huh? In Canada, we have Center Island, and we got um, Canada's Wonderland. You go and ride some rides, do some rides, take the family on some ride. Listen, when you're a minister... Family time is limited. Take your family to church. I mean, nothing is wrong with going on a little trip somewhere, but you got to deal, if you're dealing with me, you're dealing with a little spirit of Jeremiah or Isaiah or something like that. You're dealing with a hard liner on one side. I'm a nice guy if you get to know me. But it says we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. He says... And uh, the saying pleased the whole multitude. All the disciples were pleased. And they chose, they all chose uh, Stephen. And here is where we come to Stephen. A man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. He was full of faith. He trusted God. He believed God. He was not just a little dud that came to church at his own convenience. No, he was full of faith. Faith is not developed because you're doing some jig in church. Faith takes years. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing 
comment by the Word of God. It's the Word of God, not just Scripture, but the Word of God that becomes evident. And they saw they name a few other men, and it says in verse 7, the Word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. You know why? Because they had people that were filled with the Holy Ghost. And keep that in mind, we're talking about the Holy Ghost, we're talking about the early days of the early church. And so by the time we come uh, to chapter 7, uh, some individuals did not like Stephen. Uh, they did not like Stephen because he was bold. Uh, he was not an easy man to uh, preach the gospel. When he preached the message, people rejected it. Uh, they feel he needed to have a lollipop chocolate-coated a sugar candied message. So when they come, they can be entertained. You see, Paul said that in his last letters, uh, letter to Timothy. He says, he says, preach the word. You see, the word, when Paul told Timothy to preach the word, listen to me carefully, Timothy didn't have a Bible. There was no Bible. You see, I take the Bible and I'm opening it up here. It might be because I need this hair because I can let God touch my mind otherwise. Well, I'll tell you something. I don't need this Bible. I love the Bible. It's the best book. Scripture gives me that basic foundation that I stand on, but I don't need notes to preach. I don't. I have over the years developed this way that I, when I sit down, or I stand up to preach, the word of God just comes to my mind. That's the grace of God, not my wisdom. And so we're looking at that here, and today's a good day for us to start up this lesson. As Paul told Timothy, he says, he says, I charge thee, last chapter of the last letter Paul ever wrote, Second Timothy chapter 4, he says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That you preach the word. Now where? They didn't have any scripture. Uh, they didn't have any Bibles. They didn't have the New Testament or anything. What word? Well, the words Timothy received from Paul. And you would be saved, if you're listening to my messages, you'd be saved by your adherence to the word of God I preach. If I didn't think so, I wouldn't be preaching. I'll go back to Stevenson's and get a job again. But I'm here and I preach the word. And that is why you listen to it. And I'm not talking only to saints. I'm talking to anyone that God touched your mind to listen to this. Left to me, I wouldn't post anything anywhere. Because if God is going to save elect, he'll bring them to me. And after the pandemic is over, I'll be particular about where I go to preach the gospel. Someone says, well, we're having a meeting. Did you pray before you decide to plan that meeting? Well, 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 you know, well, if you didn't pray and God didn't tell you, don't invite me. Well, it's traditional. We're going to deal with some more tradition by the time the service is over. And so Paul says, preach the word, be instant in season. He says, exhort. He says, for the time will come. He goes on in that same chapter. He says, the time will come when people will not endure strong preaching. People will sit back and say, why don't you tell us something 
that is pleasant. They told Ezekiel that. Uh, they told him to, uh, to, his words were like a song in their ears. And Paul told Timothy, he said that. Um, I'm getting uh, my, my, my scriptures all over the place. But he said, he says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. He says, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. You can't preach doctrine if you don't know the doctrine. Well, doctrine back there was, was not as theoretical as it is today. Doctrine back there was a lifestyle to be lived. And when I'm thinking of where we're coming from, and I, I'm thinking of the, where we started, and Brother William Souders, God called him. And I was not there, and I've never gone to the banks of the Ohio River because that's over, past, and gone. I never went to the banks of Jordan. That's over, past, and gone. I don't follow Israel on a daily basis because they're not even saved. I'm a different breed. You want to go after them? You can go, but I don't. I don't follow Israel. When they're saved, I'll pay attention to them. Right now, I'm looking at their operation and how uh, they're coming together, and I'm waiting to see how God will work with them, and when he will save them, and when he will allow the nations, bring all nations against Jerusalem to battle. I'm looking at that, uh, but I would not go to Jerusalem just to check around things and see where they buried Jesus and where his tomb was. No, they con you when you go there. And apostate Christianity has made monuments and, and make uh, shrines out of these little things. They fabricate and get people to believe. I'm a believer in reality. And I don't have the kind of money to waste to do that. I need the money to fix things in the church. And... Uh, I want to make sure that whatever we put in this church is what God allows us to put. We pray. I'll try to pray for everything. What you want me to do, Lord? What next you want me to do? I wouldn't put a change on the signboard because I was advised that the pastor, my pastor told me, don't put something after a couple of years, you got to change it. If I make up a signboard out there and then after two weeks, God showed me you got the wrong stuff on that signboard, don't promote something on that signboard that I'm and against, then I got to go tear it down. Do I have the courage to do that with me? Yes. See this cross behind me here? If I get a good fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 God provide for us, we'll tear it down. We'll take away that cross behind me and we'll put some beautiful grooving tongue, polished grooving tongue with a nice burgundy uh, drape hanging down and if I could have afforded it, I put a baptismal pool on the platform. Can't afford it. We're poor folks. I try to catch a fish like Jesus did and see if he's got coins in his mouth. And most of the fish that I got are the, are the carnivorous ones. They bite your hand when you try to put it in their mouth. And so getting back to the message. And Paul says, he says, the time will come. When they will not endure some doctrine, but after their own lust, they will heap to themselves teachers. Because they have, the people have itching ears, so they want the teachers to be what they want to teach. Isn't that sad? When the tail wags the dog, that you call a democracy. A democracy is when the people 
put the leader in that suits their own fancies. As the world becomes ungodly, they will choose leaders that would promote their ungodliness. When you think COVID is the end of it, it's not the end of it. I was listening to a message I preached in July last year where I said COVID will mutate. I don't know about biology. I don't know about these things. I don't know about science and all these things. But it just happened to come out of my mouth. I said, COVID, I wouldn't be surprised. July, last year, I wouldn't be surprised if it mutates. Because I know this is not the end of God's judgment. When God judges the world, eventually, a commerce will go under. I'm reading my Bible. It's like a chart for the future. And so Paul says people want their ears tickled. And they want itch, the itching ears. So what will they do? They will turn away their ears from the truth and be turned to fables. Now listen to me carefully. They will turn to fables. Last week I told you about Jewish fables. Well, they have pagan fables. They have Jewish fables. They have Greek fables. They have all kinds of fables. They have heathen fables. And they got all kinds of fables. That when Brother William Souders, I feel, was called on the banks of the Ohio River, whatever God called him to, I heard he was a simple man. But I try, I'm trying to trace the history of the body. And as I'm tracing it, it went from simplicity to sophistication and wealth and glory and glamour. And now it's heading gradually in a decline into pagan uh, pagan philosophies and Jewish customs and Jewish fables and pagan customs. If the Lord does not return in 20 years, Christmas time, every one of our churches will put Christmas trees inside and we'll have all kinds of paraphernalia there. May God help us. Listen to me carefully. I'm a prophet of doom. Because Christ is not coming back for a church undermined by fables and fictions and fickle things. Holiness, my friends, that is what will help the church. Simplicity of Christ was lost. And so not to get over the place, all over the place, I'm coming back here. And so by the time Stephen came on the scene, uh, Stephen's preached here. And they brought him to be tried. He was just a deacon. He was just a man serving bread. But he was full of the Holy Ghost. He was preaching the word of God. And so strong that individuals wanted him dead. And as they got him before them, he started here in chapter 7, verse 2. He says, men and brethren and fathers. You see how sweet he is? He said, men and brethren and fathers. Hearken, the God of glory appeared to our, our fathers uh, our father Abraham, when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelled in Charon. And he goes on to trace this, um, talking about the 400 years of history here. And he coming down all through that to verse 13. He says, um, and at the second time, Joseph was known uh, to his brethren. That is when uh, children of Israel slowly start to migrate to Egypt. God sent them to Canaan, but there was always a promise in, a, a famine in Canaan. So they were going out into Egypt. And he said in verse 15, So Jacob went down into Egypt, 
and died there, he and our fathers. And so, when God called Abraham out of Mesopotamia into the land of Canaan, that was God's will. But God's permissive will allowed Joseph to be taken into captivity back into Egypt. And when Joseph was there in Egypt, uh, before you know it, there was always corn in the un- among the ungodly. Uh, that, that all the rest of his family slowly left the perfect will of God and moved on into Egypt. And there were God's chosen people. What do you think us Gentiles is capable of doing? Well, we are Gentiles. We don't do that kind of stuff that Israel did. You'll be surprised to know that we are in captivity to a great extent. Spiritual captivity is worse than physical captivity because it's subtle. Spiritual adultery is worse than physical adultery because it's subtle. Spiritual idolatry is worse than literal idolatry because it's subtle. Spiritual witchcraft is worse than literal witchcraft because it's subtle. The devil is subtle. He is sly. This is job. I don't hate him for doing his job. He's got a job to do. I've got a job to do. My job is to challenge his job as he tries to challenge my life of dedication to God. He is there for a purpose. And Christ is in my life for a purpose. The Holy Ghost baptism is given for a purpose. And that is why we must hold on to it. And so... Uh, he, uh, uh, Stephen went on, and I don't have time to read the whole thing, but he started to call, the, you know, he called them our fathers, and then says there in verse uh, 38, then this is he, uh, that was in the church, and that's what I want. He was in the church. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But in the margin, the King James translators put church, but in the margin, the Oxford Bible, it says congregation in the wilderness. So the saints of God were in the congregation, and an angel that spoke, uh, uh, Stephen mentioned here, that this angel that spoke to Moses out of the burning bush was he, Jesus, that followed Israel in the wilderness. Jesus was there with the children of Israel in the wilderness. He was that one that was leading them. But isn't it strange that the Lord did not force them? Isn't it strange that the Lord is not forcing us today? He's not forcing you. I will never force you to follow me online. It's up to you. It's a choice is yours. Uh, you follow me, you'll be saved. You don't follow me, you'll be damned. I would never force you. You want to go to hell, then go to hell. That's your choice, right? I would not put that pressure on you. I preach the word of God. I'm instant in season and out of season. I rebuke. I follow Paul's instruction to Timothy. But Jeremiah did the same thing. And so when Stephen is writing, speaking here, he says, uh, this is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him out of the Mount Sinai. 
And so the angel spake to Moses out of Mount Sinai with our fathers. He say our fathers who perceived uh, that uh, the who perceived who received the lively oracles to give unto us. See that commandment that God gave to Moses uh, was designed to save them. They didn't have all these little fancy stuff we have introduced into the church. The early church did not have half the stuff that we are operating by today. And that is why we've got, I want to trace back, where did we get, where did we go off the line? Who introduced dancing in our midst? Did it come from uh, cultures that follow voodoo? Where did it come from? Pagan cultures? You see, I was a Hindu, and in Hindu rituals, uh, they have pagan customs and dance. We beat drums and dance. Well, has the devil brought that in, or did God bring that in? I'm curious to know. I wish someone got the, the answer for me. I wish someone else wrote about the day of Pentecost apart from Luke. There's a lot of things I wish. But because I can't find it, I must do what I do. And so Stephen went on here. He says, he says, um, to whom the fa our fathers would not obey, but trust him from them. They wanted uh, Moses out of the way and their hearts turned back again into Egypt because they were never really converted. You see, and this is the biggest problem. If you're not really genuinely converted, whether you're preacher, whether you're elder, or whether you're saint in the church, you need a conversion. Because your children are brought, born in the, uh, within the church, uh, the framework of the church, or in a Christian home, does not make them Christians automatically. They need Christ. We need a conversion. We need the process of a conversion to start in our lives. And uh, it went on here. It says, um, saying unto Aaron, they came to Aaron. When Moses went up into the mountain to seek after God, and Joshua was at the foot of the mountain waiting for Moses to come back from the mountain. That's how Joshua loved Moses. Joshua actually, from history, stayed in Moses' tent. Sometimes I wish we had some Joshua's today. So when Andrew visited me yesterday, it was a blessing to me. And I prayed with him. We sat down, we prayed, and he left. And I was glad he visited me. And so when we look at this, it says, They said to Aaron, Make unto us gods to go before us. Verse 40. For, us, for this Moses, we, uh, which brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we what not has become of him. You know how many saints I led to the Lord over the years? And I'm glad that they don't say the same thing. Some have. Some have said, I don't know what happened to Brother Singh. Listen, nothing has happened to me. What has happened to you? Have you strayed from the foundation I planted in your heart? Are you too big for me to teach you the word of God? Do you have the spirit of Korah, Dayton, and Abiram? Don't ever lose the spirit that God has placed in your heart years ago when you heard uh, the message I preached and accepted it. Humble yourself. Pride will destroy you. And Moses, uh, Stephen went on, and they made a calf in those days and 
offered sacrifices unto idols and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. They tried to rejoice in the works of their own hands. And that is what, when you don't have the Spirit of God moving in the church, try to do some things to whip it up. You know, get the music, get special songs and special, have a Hollywood program going on in the church because you got to fill in. Listen, a substitute is never going to save you. We need the genuine Holy Ghost in order to save us. And he goes on here, God then turned, then God turned and give them up. God give them up. A continuous habit of defying God and going contrary, God will give you up. God will give up this fellowship like a snap of his finger if it continuously decline from the vision of Brother William Souders and go all kinds of ways. And so he says, and God give them up to worship the host of heaven. Before you know it, they start to worship the host of heaven. Israel did that. In the wilderness. They start worship the host of heaven. As it is written in the book of the prophets. O ye house of Israel. O ye house of Israel. Have you, worship, uh, have you offered to me slain beasts and sacrifices. By the space of 40 years in the wilderness. God is asking. Yeah you took up the tabernacle of Molech. Molech is a false god. They took up the tabernacle of Molech. Joshua Stephen is trying his best here to save Israel. Why would he be preaching this if at that time when he was preaching, there was not elements of pagan, paganism existing in Israel? When Stephen preached this, paganism was already existing among the Jews. See, I don't follow the Jews. When the Jews start to follow Jesus, I will follow the Jews. Now, blindness in part has happened to Israel. When the fullness of time comes and God pours his spirit on Israel, I will follow and listen. But do I pray for the Jews all the time? I pray for Jerusalem all the time. I pray that God would save the people all the time. They're God's people. Salvation is of the Jews. Wasn't for the Jews, we would not have salvation. And he says, you followed that build up. You took up the tabernacle of Molech. God is saying this. And the star of your God, Rephan. Now you can figure it out. I wouldn't say anything more about the star of Rephan. You figure it out. Google. You Google, you figure it out. See, we don't need things that we promote in our midst here. We need Christ to be promoted. Not things. Not items. Not little charms. Not little bracelets. We need God. We need the Holy Ghost. Do not substitute for the Holy Ghost. And he says here, uh, figures which you made with, uh, to worship them. And I, will carry, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. When you think your, your Babylon was uh, enough of a judgment of God, he says, I'll carry you on beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tabernacle in the wilderness. And he goes on and goes on. And he talks about our fathers. And you know by the time he came to the end of that. He said in verse when he looked at them. And they were all getting upset with him. He said in verse 51. He says you stiff naked. You stiff naked. 
and uncircumcised in your hearts. You see, you got all the you got the the circumcision on the outside. You got a white shirt on. You got a granny knot and what they call it. Granny knot on top of your head. You look like a Christian. You talk like a Christian. You walk like one. You're a body man. You can see all of that. But what does God see? He says, um, says uh, you stiff neck and uncircumcised in your heart. Why do you always resist the Holy Ghost? As your fathers did, so do ye. Uh, which of the prophets have you, your fathers, not persecute? And he went on here. And when they heard this, verse 54... When they heard these things, they were cut in their hearts, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. And he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up into heaven. And you know what this man said? He, kneeling down, cried with a loud voice in verse 60, and he said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Stephen had reached that place of maturity that, like Jesus on the cross, who said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Stephen says, Lord, don't lay this to their charge, as they were stoning him to death. A man was serving God. And so here in Acts chapter, in Acts chapter 6, uh, no, Acts, um, back to, we're here. I want to come back here uh, to uh, Matthew chapter 15. Uh, Matthew chapter 15, Jesus said uh, to this element that wanted the disciples to wash their hands. We like to make up little stories, you know, and keep ourselves going. Listen. The traditions, if your traditions of the fathers affect your spiritual growth, if the traditions of your father give you pride and an arrogance and a proud attitude, chuck it in. It's not the spirit of Christ. It says, Paul says, this people, uh, Jesus said here, he says, Isaiah did say this in verse 8 and verse 9. He says, this people draw nigh to me with their mouth and honor at me with their lips but their hearts, you get a good worship, but their hearts, like the church of Sardis, they were dying and did not even know it. We've got to figure out, would the early church have done what we are doing today? Is this what God wants? We're not here building Solomon's temple. We're here preaching the word of God like the early church did, like Peter did, and Paul did, and John did, and some of the early church apostles did. That's what we hear. We're not here to just build a monument. We're here to build the church. And so here in chapter 16, uh, Jesus talked to his disciples. I've got just a couple of minutes left here. But when the disciples came to him, Jesus said unto his disciples, he says in verse 13b, He whom the men say that I am. And some says that thou art John the Baptist. Some said Uriah Elias. And some says Jeremiah, so one of the prophets. And Jesus said unto them, But whom do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, He says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. He says, This I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The Lord wants to build his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now listen to me for five minutes more. If the Lord is building his church, and the gates of hell is not prevailing against it, some people said Peter was that rock. Well, if Peter was that rock, why did Paul, it says, 
He says, I have laid the foundation and everyone build thereon. Let every man take heed how he build thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid. He says, we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus being the chief cornerstone. The church is not built on Simon Peter. The church is built on a revelation that exalts the teachings of the apostles, the prophets, and Jesus Christ himself. Not the only cornerstone, but the chief cornerstone. So when Jesus is gone off the scene, he said to his disciples, he says, And you will do greater things than I shall do. Because today we are challenged with building the church that got started on the day of Pentecost. And if we're to see to it that the church continues on this path, we've got to recognize that and have a revelation from God to understand that we just can't build it with a human element. We can't bring in Greek philosophies. We can't bring in Jewish philosophies. We can't bring in pagan customs and rituals. Everything we do in the church, we need to pray and ask God where we got it from. Because the possibility is that we might end up and say, not everything our fathers passed on to us was from God, but some of the lies they have inherited. And we pray that that's not so. But if we pray and God shows us that we need to seek him desperately, how would we build a church? How would we build a church? And so... May God help us because we need to understand that Jesus will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But not because something has a steeple mean it's a church. You ever look at a church with a steeple and a nice cross on top? Well, that is why I want to get rid of this one here because I'm not glorying in this wood. I'm glorying in the work that was done on the cross. Amen. Amen. If Jesus was shot for our sake and died with a bullet, what would we have here? A bullet hanging up? Think about it. Don't follow the ways of apostate Christianity. Because before you know it, We'd all dress like Santa Claus. We'd all have Easter bunnies. And we'll do everything else just to keep the crowd going. While Paul preached the truth, all men forsook him. All they that be in Asia stood against him. At his first answer, no man stood with him. Jesus was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows. You know why? He didn't compromise the gospel. You want people to love you, compromise the gospel. You want your people and the job to, to really appreciate you. Don't tell them you're associated with Desmond Singh and the Gospel Assembly Church. But there are some people that are not ashamed of me or the gospel I preach, nor of Jesus, my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for not being ashamed of the things I preach and promote. May God bless us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this another day in your house. And we pray, Father, that you would let this message sink down deep in our hearts. 
Reach on into our lives, Father, and challenge us and save us. We pray to those that are not well today that you will touch their bodies physically and spiritually, Lord, and heal them, we pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen.